October 26th, 1917. The brigade attacked the strong enemy positions at Passchendaele, and what had been supposed to be huts were found to be concrete pillboxes or forts. The battalion sustained heavy losses. October the 27th, 1917. The battalion was relieved, only 170 returning out of 670. D Company taken prisoner, two men only left. Heavy enemy aerial attacks day and night, sleep being nearly impossible due to fear of bombs. Captain Neville killed by a bomb. April the 9th, 1918. The enemy attacked on the Merville sector, where the Portuguese were holding the line. I took a message to the commander, Royal Engineers, near Merville. Just as I was crossing the bridge into the town, a German shell hit the house next to the bridge, causing a fearful explosion, and most of the house to fall to pieces. I stood still with the shock, but none of the falling masonry touched me, except I was covered in dust. All of these entries come from the diary of my grandfather, my mum's dad, Francis Newton, Frank as he was named. Frank served on the Western Front in the First World War. He survived, and like countless numbers of men and women in that conflict and in the other wars that have littered the more than a century since then. I'd known for many years that Frank had written a diary detailing his wartime experiences, but it was only whilst I was training to be ordained and went on a pilgrimage of reconciliation and remembrance to the Flanders battlefields that I asked my uncle to borrow this diary. And I read my grandfather's own account of the appalling brutality of war and also the fragility and preciousness of life, hearing especially of that narrow escape he had from a German shell many, many years before my mum was born. I have no personal experience of anything remotely like war. Up to that pilgrimage of which I was privileged to be a part, it had been an almost entirely abstract concept to me. But to know from his own words what my grandfather went through, there is day after day, week after week, month after month of similar diary entries, friends lost, terrible hardships endured. But to know from his own words what my grandfather went through and to know that his survival and my existence was often hanging by the narrowest of threads, made conflict much more real to me than it had ever been before. The writer of our first lesson this morning, the prophet Micah, lived at a time when a state of warfare was all too real, 
for him and the whole people of Judah, the southern part of the nation of Israel. Micah lived at a time when the Assyrian Empire was at the very height of its brutal military power, sweeping all before it, destroying livelihoods, destroying lives. This was the fear with which the people to whom Micah was writing, and indeed he himself, lived day by day. And of course, whilst avoiding politics, it's utterly tragic that we see today, through the very same land in which Micah and the people of Israel then lived, so much violence and pain and destruction. And we weep for all of that. But Micah declares to the people that he is writing that a time will come when this will no longer be the case. He says to them that there's hope for a future, a future of peace and blessing, of plenty and contentment in the presence <coughs> of God. Micah says that it's when the whole people turns to God, listens to God, and what he, the Lord, has been telling all nations about how best to live their lives. And when they change and follow him, then this glorious vision of peace, God's holy city on God's holy mountain, that vision of peace will come into being. Micah uses beautiful and famous imagery to describe the transformation that will accompany this peace. He says that uh, at that time, all will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. It's a very long time, of course, since wars were fought with swords and spears, but I think we can still all understand what Micah means by this. He's saying that all of us have the capacity to change. <coughs> Swords and spears were made of iron, used for death and destruction, for killing warriors, for violence against the innocent. But of course, plowshares and pruning hooks are also made of exactly the same iron as those swords and spears. And they're objects that create life and help that life to flourish. A plough breaks up the ground to liberate spaces in the soil for seeds, which ultimately grow into the crops that feed and nourish us. And pruning hooks are used to trim trees and bushes and vines, bringing health and vigour, concentrating their energy into making greater quantities of richer fruit and nuts and grapes to feed us. It's exactly the same iron. But used differently with different intent, it results in complete opposites. Death, destruction and war. Or life, health and peace. A contemporary take on this image of swords into plowshares has, in the aftermath of the decades-long civil war in Mozambique, taken form in an extraordinary artwork which is in the British Museum. Inspired by a Mozambican Anglican bishop, Dinis Singulani, and by Christian Aid, the uh, Christian charity. 
an artist's collective took hundreds of the rifles and the pistols that were handed in in an arms amnesty and they sculpted them into a remarkable iron tree bursting with iron fruit and home to a glorious menagerie of iron creatures. A symbol of life as opposed to death. And not only were the handed in weapons transformed into this object of great beauty and profound symbolism, there is a story as well in parallel of lives turned around because the fighters were given equipment, things like sewing machines, bicycles, building materials, agricultural materials, in exchange for the arms that they handed in and which form now that tree, and with which they were able to begin a new and redemptive life of peaceful flourishing. But for all that every one of us lives in a fallen world where warfare is a terrible reality, we need only to look at the horrors of Israel-Palestine, Ukraine, Sudan over recent months. But for all that fallenness, Jesus, one of whose titles from another Old Testament prophet, Isaiah, is Prince of Peace. Jesus shows us how we can live as the sort of people of peace that Micah foresees. Christ's command to us is love the Lord our God, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength and to love your neighbour as you love yourselves. In John's Gospel, just before Jesus leaves his disciples and heads towards his crucifixion, he declares to them, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Our Gospel reading this morning is from what's known as the Sermon on the Mount from St Matthew's Gospel. This series of declarations of blessing, the Beatitudes as they are known, they run counter to the received wisdom of the world. In God's heavenly economy, those who are the least powerful, the most burdened, the poorest, are the ones who receive a special divine favour. And the blessing declared by Jesus over those who strive to end conflict shows the central importance of peace to God's vision for his transformed world. Those who strive for this peace are so dear to God that they, exactly the same as Jesus himself, they are worthy to be called God's own sons and daughters. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Just as Micah's swords can become plowshares, evil changed into good, Christ himself transformed darkness into light. When Jesus was nailed to the cross on the first Good Friday, it seemed to be the blackest of days. Humanity appeared to have killed the Son of God himself. But in that death of Jesus, there is life. And there is hope. 
Micah's destructive iron of swords and spears can be turned in the, into the creative growing that comes from plowshares and pruning hooks. Mozambique's arms can be swapped for life-bringing tools and sculpted into an artistic declaration of abundance. And the despair of the cross is transformed into the glory and the hope of Easter. Jesus' resurrection that means that each one of us can have all of our sins forgiven. And once again come into right relationship with God. Through and in the power and love of Jesus Christ. There is the possibility for even the most dreadful of circumstances to be redeemed. So today, as we honour the memory of all those who have fallen, who have made the ultimate sacrifice for us, we recognise too that there is a better way. It's the way of which Micah paints a picture in our imaginations, a way in which nation will not lift up sword against nation. A way of peace. It is above all a way that is found in the person, life and teachings of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. And it is a way which in these deeply troubled times for our world. We pray that individually and together we will choose to turn and follow. In the words of Micah, together walking in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. In Jesus' name we pray.